Welcome to the HR Cartel Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dive. Thank you for joining me again. I want to talk about working from home and the debate about working from home specifically because it is heating up. There's a lot of voices in this in this fight now, this battle, a lot of opinions being thrown around, and I think a few of them are, are ridiculous. Some of them have merit. Um, me, my, my my position is this. I, I don't really still on the fence. I think working from home is, is um, not good for most businesses. Um it is not good for most people either, and you'll you'll see what you see what I mean by this when I go through some of the some of the numbers that I want to share today uh, in this conversation. This is on the back of some recent heated debates and opinions I've, I'm seeing flying around on places like LinkedIn and 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 just on socials generally, and how um, how much workers employees are demanding that they should be working from home they should be ha- having more flexibility and um you know w- w- where does this end right um employees don't uh really get the, the full picture of, of what's happening out there um they think this working from home issue and this is my view employees people who have the ability to work from home or have some flexibility to work from home here or there and that sort of thing they, they blow up this perception that um, it's a right and that they should have more of it and that sort of thing. Um, frankly, I think they're, they're not looking any further than, than their nose, if I'm honest, because um, businesses have the right to function and operate and uh, perform the way they believe they need to perform. They have the finger on the pulse with the market segments they're competing in. These are global market segments they're competing in. Um, you know, the, 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 the true fact is if the customer chooses not to give your business, your employer, any money anymore because the service they're getting from your employer, your company, um, is just not good anymore um, compared to others in the market, then you've got no job left. Now, employers have to juggle that. They have to design and fun- and uh, design workfo- workflows, functionality, teams, organization structures, delivery models, service models, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, and now to have uh, such a significant weight on their shoulders to design something that works in a very competitive market um, to get enough market share to give you a job, you know, volumes of, of employees now say, well, I don't want to come there. I don't, I don't want to come into your workplace. Um, I, I, thanks for the job. I don't want to be there. I'm, I'm just going to stay home. Um, it just can't work, right? It can't work. Now, obviously, for some people, some positions, working from home may work, can work, but it's a very small number. Um, let's let's first consider this. Um, I, I want to put some parameters around this conversation because uh, I, I, you know, it, it's it's important that we get that we understand each other in this particular conversation, this particular debate. Um, from my perspective, my position, here's a few things. Firstly. The public sector, so government workers, state, you know, state, federal government workers, council workers, all sort of stuff, they don't count, right? They're out of the argument, out of the running. Why is that? That's because if you're a public sector employee, you're going to be employed in an organisation that has no need whatsoever to understand what a customer wants, to understand what a customer uh, will give their money for. Um, you're in a sector that has no competitors. There's no competition. Okay, no one else is 
fighting the government to do government services. There's no competitive landscape, okay? It's, that's a cost to society. That's all that is. It's, it's not a competitive um, yeah, market segment, nothing like that. It doesn't count, right? Um, governments can do and say whatever they want. In fact, they even exclude themselves from the rules and laws that every other business in the private sector has to, has to um, conform to, like gender pay gap reporting and gender pay equity reporting and all these sort of things. These new uh, rules and laws that governments roll out in the, in the industrial relations world that, that determine how businesses can function doesn't include them, right? Takes them out of the picture. So they don't count. Let's, let's get that off the table right now. Um, what else? Let's look at the numbers of professionals versus non-professionals, trades and retail and all sort of stuff. Now, I've got some numbers here. It, it's, it's pretty hard to get a very, very a, a completely accurate number uh, as of 2024, 2023, the exact percentages of uh, people who are, who, who are, who are working in, in particular roles, essentially. So let, let me just try and find some information here that I've got ready to go for us to look at. Now, uh, looking at this is as late as 2022, 2023 ish. Um, now, professionals in Australia make up, and this is this is inclusive of the public sector, right? Too. So, um, uh, in, so that the, the numbers are going to be even more favourable in the point that I'm trying to make. So let's just make that point clear. Uh, professionals working in Australia, professional employees, make up about 24% of the workforce. Um, now, the rest, non-professional workforce, retail workers, education, um, uh, you know, technicians and trades and services, uh, you know, maybe they're in management or, or, or something like that. But um, but that's largely that number, that 24%, let's say it's one in one in four employees have a professional position. Why do we look at that? Well, they're the most likely positions that can be worked away from a workplace. If you work on a production line, you're not working from home. If you're an electrician, you're not working at home. Uh, if you are a mechanic, not working from home. If you're a receptionist, though, then that's in the professional pool, right? You're a receptionist. You're an office manager. You're an executive assistant. They're all made up in the profession in the professional world as well. In my view, they're also not working from home. So the the, the number the percentage actually gets smaller and smaller and smaller when you take away the public sector numbers and you take away the professionals who can't work from home. That twenty four percent probably drops down to about eighteen nineteen percent. Um, so less than one in five people um, could possibly do a day from home in Australia. Why is that important? To know why is that a parameter that we want to have around this conversation? Um, that demonstrates how small the pool of people affected by this conversation is. That demonstrates how small the pool of people that um, are having such an enormous voice and throwing opinions around about how work should be performed in Australia, in in basically every business out there, which is what's being pushed. Right, less than one in five people. Um, are even relevant to the conversation. 
Now, those not 18, 19%, let's say that's what it is. Let's say 18, 19% of people, that's including the public sector, don't, don't forget, which we're trying to also exclude. Um, you know, of those people, not everyone can work from home. Some people work in share houses. Some people don't have working from home set up possible. Some people don't like it. I'm one of those people. I hate it, right? I, I can work from home for a day here or there, but if you get me there two, three, four days a week, I, I, it's, it's not good for me. Um, and there's plenty of people like me. There's, there's a ton of us out there. Um, we're productive. We're all good. But um, as it gets, uh, as there's more and more isolated time away from people, away from conversations, not leaving the home, um, that's not good for many, many people out there. Imposing working from home on them just because the, the other people who it does work for, largely, and this is anecdotal, I'll give you that. I'll grant that. But conversate, this is from personal conversations that I'm, and requests that I'm personally dealing with in clients' businesses right now. Largely, the reason why they can work from home is because they've got um, families. Um, it's easier for them to not have to come to work if they can just take their kids to school um, at, at whatever time they want to, pick them up at whatever time they want to, um, hang the washing out whatever time they want to, um, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, it makes it easier for them to do all those tasks. That's the biggest argument for working from home, from employees in workforces. Don't talk to me about productivity. If you're an employee in, 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 a, in a workforce and you're trying to say productivity is better if we work from home um, and all this sort of stuff, that is garbage. All right, You don't even know. What measure have you done to test the productivity in your workplace to tell your employer that their model is wrong? that your thought, your wants, your needs are better for the business from a productivity standpoint. It's garbage. It's not true. Okay. Now, there's, there's even been research for this. Now, um, the, the, the return, to work, return to office were, uh, mandates, we'll, we'll park that for a second, but I do want to touch on that because um, there's, there's been a, a recent research paper on that uh, that I've had a look at. Um, but and I think it was out of Stanford maybe. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But research done into, into the point I was making before about the, the, the mental or psychological um, well-being component of working from home. Um, it was last year, and there's another podcast episode on it, uh, I'm sure. We, we, we brought it up last year. Working from home, um, the research done was that, you know, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, as you get further in the week, um, overwhelmingly people got – less engaged, um, uh, more burned out, um, you know, more detached from um, the workplace, feel, felt more isolated, and in turn, you know, disengagement, stress, all that sort of stuff. Uh, many, many people um, don't deal well with isolation. What's the worst thing you can do to a person in prison? What's the worst, if, you, if you're a prisoner, you're in jail, you're locked up, you misbehave, the worst thing they can do to you is put you in isolation. Right, that's real. That's real. Um, the, this the, the the fluffiness around flexibility and, and and all sort of stuff it doesn't change that fact. Humans don't deal well with isolation. The reason why people want to work from home are those people with kids that have to go shopping, they have to wash clothes, that have to do school pickups and drop offs, drop offs, and all those types of things. Generally speaking, of course, there's others that want to work from home that don't have all those things. Of course. But overwhelmingly, 
that's what's going on. Um, recent research, an another research paper which I just had a look at this week actually, um, tried to claim, and this is from an advocate for the working from home movement. Let's call it that because that's kind of what it what it feels like. Um, the this research paper put out, um, and look, the the language in the paper was ridiculous. Um, it was straight off the bat attacking uh, workplaces, att attacking employers, attacking management, and that sort of thing. Um, you can just tell by by, by the language used that it's, it's it's a far left position position paper. Nonetheless, you read it, you you, you try and take out what you can uh, from these papers, right? Um, the the position of the paper was you know uh, return to office um, mandates. Um, if you can hear that in the background, there's some work going on somewhere in the background. I do apologise if that's going to disrupt this uh, this conversation. Uh, but in anyway, um, return to office mandates. This paper addressed. Um, they were they were trying to claim that return to office mandates um, resulted in uh, poor performance, in uh, uh, disengagement, disconnection. Um, yeah, people not wanting to be at work and, and all that sort of stuff. What the paper also said is that those same companies had poor performance before the return to office mandate happened. Um, it also said that, that all those companies had managers that wanted to, to do nothing more than blame employees for poor performance. And it also that um, the performance that was re reported when employees came back to the office didn't change. There was no change. So what does that tell you? Shitty companies, shitty teams, shitty management, disengagement, uh, finger pointing culture, um, and also it didn't. The performance didn't change from them working at home to them being in the office. There was no. There was no difference. Bad management, right? Uh, that's the claims of the, of, of the paper. Um, the, the the point is that those working environments, those workplaces, that culture is going to have poor performance. The poor performance isn't due to the return to office mandate. That's that's not what you can derive from that research. So, um, in any case, the, let's let, let's go on and and talk a bit more. Now, look, those parameters are there, right? Those parameters that we've we've sort of set up. So you understand uh, the perspective that I'm looking at this uh, and the lens that I'm looking at this through. Um, let's go and have a look at some some of the voices, uh, and some of the views, some of the opinions that that I've seen shared. Uh, because they're interesting, you know. Let, let, let's just see what people have said. Um, this is uh, uh, from recruiters, from managers, from directors, from workers themselves. Uh, a bit of a blend of responses to, to to the working from home debate and what it means. Um, so he, here's a view. Let's let's look at one of the views. Um, one view is, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how, how it all plays out. Uh, you know, there's a there was a growing push in the second half of 2023. It seemed um, for uh, people to come back into uh, the office or at least go away from a 100% work from home model and, and and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely, right. Let, let, let's let's talk about that perspective. Absolutely, there was a growing push. There is a growing push um, for mandates to come back to the office. Um, from tier ones all the way and all the way through the through the workforce, um, it's there's been debates where people have tried to dispute um, 
large large employers, tier one operators, try to dispute their request to come back to the office, even only for two days out of five. Um, those disputes, that I, there was a claim late last year that was um, pretty well known and publicised uh, where this employee lost that battle in the Fair Work Commission. He was ordered to go back to work, go back to the office and follow the, follow the employee's instructions. Um, that was a good sense check for where the, the Fair Work Commission is going to sit on these things. Um, you know, a business has reasonable cause to tell you to come to work. It's their business. You, you, you've got inherent, in, inherent obligations in a contract of employment that you signed to do work the way that the employer instructs you to do. Unless it's unsafe to do so, unless the, the you know you've got reasons as to why you should be able to request flexibility, and that should be granted. Um, so, employers, companies do have the right to tell you to come back to to the office, and they do have the right to say no to your flexibility claims. Um, you know that's that, that that's that might be something for another another conversation as well. Um, but generally speaking, you know there, there is a push, absolutely. Um, so look, here's an interesting one. You know, um, might be legal to do that. Might be legal to do that, but it won't stop people leaving if they're made to go back full time. Um, and given how tough it is to secure talent at the moment, um, with no signs of letting up, I don't agree with that. Um, you know, th this particular person commenting says they will be reluctant to do anything that makes it even more difficult. Let's dive into that, right? This is obviously from a recruitment industry perspective, the employee side. Um, look, regardless of anything, everyone's leaving. This is one point I drive home um, to, to my clients, you know. Um, whether it's in 10 years or 10 days, everyone's going to leave, even you, even the business owner is going to leave at some point, right? Everyone's leaving. Accept it. It's going to happen. You can't design your business you can't compete in a global marketplace you can't you can't even compete for talent um, when you model your business on the whims and and wants which are sporadic and um emotional and changes and then and they go up and down in waves on the on the needs and wants and the whims of employees and, and, and people who don't have their finger on the pulse, who don't have the burden of operating a business, of the financial expenditure, of the risk, and all that sort of stuff, um, right? That, that, that's just that's just truth. That's just the reality. Everyone's leaving. Um, don't be afraid of people leaving. Okay, you have to compete in a in a business. You, you you've got obligations as as a director of a company to look after the organization and do what's in the best interest of the company at all times. Um, Everyone's leaving. Don't worry about that. And let's talk about uh, this, you know, this element of given how tough it is to find talent at the moment. Um, sure, that changes, right? That's going to change. Always does. I don't believe this. This uh, claim showing no signs of that letting up. What are you talking about? Everyone, there's massive signs that. Um, uh, we're all economists and, and some smarter people, much smarter than I am, are pointing to are saying that the unemployment rate is going up and needs to go up and, and it, it has to go up. The Reserve Bank of Australia is putting pressure on people to stop spending money to push the unemployment rate up. So what are you talking about? You know, that, that is going to change. Um, just, look at, just look at stats and numbers and the Bureau of Statistics and see how that goes up and down as well. Uh, again, um, you know, you, you make decisions to compete in the market that you're in, but these are temporary um, conditions. So uh, you, you can't design 
the way that your workforce is engaged, you know, which is, let's, let's face it, it's permanent, right? Contractually, obligations and terms and conditions you put in place in your workplace, they're permanent. They're contractual. Two parties own those terms and conditions. You can't just change that without the other person agreeing, right? So you, you, there's no such thing as having this um, ability to, oh, well, for now, we'll do it from home, but when the, when the unemployment rate tightens up and it's, it gets a bit easier to replace you, then we'll get you back in the office and then we'll control you then. It's garbage, right? What, it, what you put in place is, ter- is permanent terms and conditions. Um, you can't change employment contracts based on how easy or hard it is to find people. That shouldn't govern how you set your workforce up. If you do, it's a bit of a recipe for disaster. Um, let's, let's look at another, another point here. Yeah? It might, might be lawful to direct your employees back, but smart and futuristic organisations are embracing remote work. Right. Really? So does that mean, uh, you know, let's look at it, 19% of people uh, at best have the ability to do some flexible work and some working from home. Um, the organisations, from this view, it's quite offensive. Yeah. Those organisations who employ those people are smart and futuristic. Everyone else is not. Yeah. What are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? Again, this is, this is just a jab at employers. It's a jab at businesses. Uh, and look, this, this comment, I'm very surprised. This comment is from a, is from a senior ERHR professional um, who's made this comment online. Um, you know, uh, it's it's just offensive and wrong. It's straight out wrong. Such a small percentage of businesses and, and employee types are even able to do this. What you're saying is that they're smart and futuristic organisations, right? What about the agriculture sector, who is um, actually probably the most innovative um, industry in the in the world, no matter where they are, no matter where they're operating? Um, they have to be, right? They've got such a massive shortage of employees, which we've um, touched on in the point before, that recruitment person's comments in the point before about shortage of employees, meaning that you can't say no to people. Well, look at the agriculture sector. There are about 200,000 people short to be able to produce what they've got to produce. We have to rely on Pacific labour schemes and things to bring people in from overseas to do the work. Um, they're the, the biggest innovators. Um, there's, uh, I listened to a podcast from Mark Brewer just yesterday. I think it was uh, the Mentor podcast. I think it was. It might have been Straight Talk, but there's a, a, an organisation called AgriWeb um, who, uh, if you listen to that podcast, you'll see just how innovative that sector is, just how smart farmers are becoming, um, how data-driven, analytical, technology-driven farmers and, and farming operations are actually becoming. That's smart and futuristic. What the hell are you talking about? Can you can you can you farm from home? Can you produce beef from home? Come on, you know. Uh, again, very short-sighted. Okay, um, and I don't blame. I don't. I don't necessarily blame HR people from having that view. Most HR people. Let, let's get clear on this. Most HR people spend their careers in four walls. They become subject matter experts with how things work in one business, a set of four walls, right? Um, this is the beauty of consulting and everyone, sh- you know, not everyone's fit for consulting and HR people are some of the hardest people to break out of that mold to get them into consulting. I'll, I'll come out and say that. Um, but 
you know, you, you, when you a traditional corporate HR type of person, again, you don't see any further than your own nose most of the time. Um, your world is is just that these four walls. Um, step out of that. Step out of that and understand the position that you that you're taking and how that might impact. You know the, the national operations of of businesses and how work is performed and done and how much it costs you to live because you're, you're driving up the cost with your with your views of forcing people to be remote workers and stuff like that. Um, you know th- th- there are serious consequences to, to throwing these, these opinions around um, as senior HR professionals. You're supposed to be subject matter experts. Um, very short sighted though. Um, Let's have a look at this one, right? This is from a change manager. Um, these, are, she says that you know, um, these types of articles, which is on, on an online statement on an article, um, they miss that you know, new workplace agreements are being written to include hybrid arrangements. By the time new agreements expire, people will have been working from home or hybrid for the last six to seven years and won't be that won't be something that can easily be removed when bargaining commences again. Yeah, sure, good point, right? Um, true. However, we're talking about an even smaller pool of people. You know, employees, let's, take, let's remove the public sector again. Public, public sector just doesn't count, right? Um, for all the reasons, all the commercial reasons that we gave before. Pull them out. The private sector, the last numbers that I saw, which were about 2021, 2022 numbers, about 12% of workers in the private sector are covered by enterprise bargaining agreements. Now, only only a few of those enterprise bargaining agreements, and it's only been last year, uh, really, uh, maybe the last couple of years at the at, at best, and only a few of them have come out with um, accepted terms for working from home provisions within those agreements. Uh, now, is that term available to every single employee covered by that agreement? I bet you it's not. And how many of those agreements that cover the twelve percent of the workers in Australia actually have those terms in them? You know, probably one percent of them. Um, so again, what are you talking about? Yeah, the 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 people that we're talking about, or the 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 terms and conditions that you're talking about, um, they they cover such a small number of people. Are you suggesting that that small tiny percentage now ought ought to be accepted by the other ninety eight percent of private businesses in Australia just because that small tiny percentage um, caved in in order to get a, an EBA approved? Crazy. It's just not. It's not realistic. It's not in reality. Um, let's have a look at this one. So again, look, this comment on this article online um, came from someone from the public sector. Um, the comment is that the Australian Public Service has a service-wide, flexible working approach. The detail of what this means will no doubt end up at Fair Work. Of course, it will, right? Um, uh, but the APS thinks uh, that, um, yeah, let's assume that means the Australian Public Service, right? That's a very big statement. The Australian Public Service, so a big federal system, um, thinks you're wrong. 
my literal job is about how people work and I'm absolutely not designing services assuming people will be working in an office. Good on you. You're in a public sector. You don't have any commercial um, you know, capability requirements whatsoever. There's no one competing for your services. You have no market to compete in. No matter what you do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect any customers anyway. Right. Well, I mean, I guess it does because your customers are taxpayers, um, and you, you, let's be honest, you're doing a fucking terrible job at that. Um, you're already you, your customers are already miserable and upset and let down. Doing anything about that? No, you're not. Right. Um, so, designing working arrangements where people can work from home, and you're, you're beating your chest about that. Right? Um, it just doesn't count. There's no, there's no other companies out there competing to do the work that you do. There's nowhere else customers can spend their money and choose not to use you. They have to use you. Um, you've, you've got them over a flame. You, you, your customers are all over a flame. They've got nowhere else to go. You can do whatever you want. They've still got nowhere else to go. You don't count. Um, sorry. It's, <laughs> you just don't count, right? Companies that are competing for customer dollars um, in order to keep the doors open, to keep food on the table and keep employees paid, um, this is where it matters. And that's the majority of the country. Right. Some other points, some other views on, on this debate. Lawful and reasonable is not the sticking point, is it? It's can the employer make it stick with unemployment rates still below 4%. Many back-to-the-office mandates are fairly minimal, two, three days, say, a week. Um, and office tower valuations would tell you CBE presenteeism isn't going back to where it was. For the record, this person likes working in an office. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. You know, unemployment rate um, uh, does make it tough to hire people. It does. Um, but it's changing. Right, That's going to change. It's on its way up. The Reserve Bank is pushing to, to, to get it up. Um, you know, the, 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 the system is just that. It goes up and it goes down. That's something that is changing. We, and we addressed this already. Um, you know, it, it's a temporary uh, influence on, on, on hiring numbers and the ability to hire. Should have nothing to do with how you design your workforce and how you do job design in, in, in your workforce to service the customer market in a competitive environment. Um. Here's another one, right? This is for a PhD candidate has um, state has uh, made a comment here about the working from home arrangements, um, and she says, "Why, uh, why are our workers getting poached by multinationals that are remote first? Our laws must be wrong." Okay, right, academics. <laughs> Let's talk about academics. Um, that's not, you know, academics are, are fine, um, but I find their experience is largely, you know, it, it's whenever I hear uh, talks, um, you know, and, and the last major talk I, I listened to with respect to workplace relations where an academic actually spoke was uh, last year's industrial relations conference down in, down in Hobart uh, in October, so a few months ago, um, and there was an academic group, the, the head of an academic group there that was um, pushing 
for industrial relations, laws changes and things all around climate change and stuff like that. And they're just so detached from the reality of, of small, medium businesses and, and that sort of thing, which again is you know, 80, 90% of the employers out there. Um, so academics, you know, that they're, 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 I find them to be quite detached from, from actually having helpful input for organizations, but nonetheless, the truth is Australia poaches way more people internationally than, than we get poached from us, way more. We're such a small company from a population sense. We've got massive resources, food production, resort, um, you know, coals, and, uh, minerals and iron ore and all sort of stuff, all the produ- production of all these items, the gas, coal seam gas, um, you know, drilling offshore and, and all these export items that we have. We don't have the people and the capability and the skill sets to produce those outcomes in this country. We have to reward. We, we bring people in from all over the world all year long, right? We rely on that. What's the argument here? Um, you're saying that our Australian workers are getting poached by multinationals that are, that are remote first. Our laws must be wrong. No, they're not, right? Our laws heavily favour employees already. Um, our laws are awesome for workers. That's why we have so many people wanting to come here and work. Um, it, it, that's just incorrect. Again, this is this is a person who can't see past their own nose um, in terms of what working from home means to them and, and pushing an opinion on, on the rest of us. Um, but it's just not at all in reality with the impact this has on businesses and employees around the country. Uh, here's another one. An investor and an analyst. As a customer, it will be awesome to be rid of the work, for, work from home disaster. Yeah, kind of the, kind of the point uh, of, of the whole thing. This is the first comment that I've seen that really has a realistic view of what companies have to face as a customer the customer's paying the money right um if the customer's not happy they're going to take their money elsewhere people lose their jobs that's the reality of it um you know it's it, it's just so cruisy so comfy and so coddled um to be an employee in australia right now um that it's gone too far it's gone way too far you know employees thinking they can determine dictate and design their own positions um, and tell employers how they're going to work. It's just nuts. It really is nuts. But this comment says it all, right? As a customer, it will be awesome to be rid of the work from home disaster. Listen to that. That's the person who pays your wages. Um, and again, look, I might be coming on a bit strong here with, with respect to the, the side of the fence that I sit on. Working from home arrangements. I just want to re- reiterate again where it's possible. Firstly, where it's possible, very small number of positions this can be done with. Um, where a business ha- can job design it to the deg- to the degree that it actually supports the organisation and it can operate, it can remain employing people, remain profitable, uh, grow and and you know be be a great Australian company. Sure, do it right. That's not going to upset your customers, but having this imposed organization-wide um, will upset your customers. Um, he's a managing director. 
I think there's most certainly been too much of the unmeasured work from home arrangements. Agree. I absolutely agree. Um, unless a business has strong metrics, good delegation, a fully trained and capable capable team, working from home does not work in my opinion. Uh, I think businesses who understand this and have a strong leadership and, and management in place uh, have been able to manage this successfully, but there have been many who have not. Um, agree, right? Um, and the reason, what's the reason for that, right? It's because um, there's this want and this will and this perceived need to give employees what they want to be to be seen as a good working a good workplace and all that sort of stuff. That's partially true. Partially true. But the last few podcasts before this one, you'll see there's research that's been done that that tells you what um, what engages people at work. It's working systems. Okay, it's better working systems, better management, better delegation, um, better organization structure, um, carefully designed workflows, systems that work for people to get things done, making them feel like they're being successful, they're achieving something, they're learning, they're part of the bigger picture, they're contributing, they're, they're part of a team that works and functions. That's what really makes people happy. Okay, removing them from the workplace and making them work in an isolated situation. Mostly, not the answer. Uh, research has proven it. Okay. Um, here's another. Here's another few, view right here, and I might wrap it up at this one here. And that, but you know, this kind of rounds out um, probably the, the the variety of views out there. Um, but this is from a uh, this is from a, a seemingly senior person. I wonder if businesses are willing to accept their workers doing thirty eight hours per week exactly. I think generally when working from home, individuals tend to do more hours. Uh, the same as when an individual travels for work. Yeah, disagree with you on that. Um, to start with, 38 hour, this whole 38-hour thing, um, you know, it's, it's the outcome of the Fair Work Act when that was brought in. 38, 38 ordinary hours in a week does not mean you work 38 hours. It doesn't mean that um, anyone who doesn't get that by now, the Fair Work Act has been in place since 2009, 2010. Um, if you don't get that by now, 14 years later, you're never going to understand it. Um, but look, the 38-hour thing, you know, you know, if you want to work just 38 hours, just work 38 hours. The, the, the law protects you too. But if you're willing to take more money, if you're willing to take the company's money, they want to pay you over and above, they want to pay you a big old salary, and you're going to put your hand out and take that money, you're doing more than 38 hours. Maybe not, maybe not every week, but some weeks you're going to have to. And if you don't, you're being unreasonable because you took the money. Right? You agreed to the contract. You agreed to the terms and conditions. There are, there are inherent inherent requirements in that, in that contract. If you're going to take that cash, you're committed to perform the work. Right? 38 hours is not a thing. It's it's a it's a way to to test if a if a, a person's wages are being paid compliantly. It's a it's a mechanism of the Fair Work Act um, to set up entitlements. When does overtime kick in? When how much leave do you get? How many days? Uh, what equals a um, you know the, the 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 accruals? How do you figure all that stuff out? It's a mechanism in in the act to determine a person's entitlements. Yeah. 
most people are paid well above the awards. If you're going to take that money, you're got to do more than 38 hours per week. And if you say no, you're being unreasonable and, and you will come under fire for that. Um, I don't understand this argument. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty. It's a, it, I think it's a bit of a misguided argument, if I'm honest with you. But um, in any case, there's a whole bunch of views right there. Um, I thought it, I thought it necessary to share those because this debate is heating up. And um, obviously, I squarely sit on the fence where working from home shouldn't be um, mandated. Shouldn't be um, just willy nilly thrown out and a condition or a term of employment that everyone just gets. Um, it should be a carefully designed. You know, a job design activity. If it's effective, if it can be done, if you have the right management in place and the right systems to be able to make it work, sure, do it. Um, but more so hybrid because you need that. You need that team time. You absolutely need it. Um, but working from home, if it works for you, by all means, go ahead and do it. But that's the debate, right? That's the debate. Um, reality is, what, what do we figure out? We're talking about probably 18, 19% of people in the country. Um, even have the ability to do this. Um, and we also figured out that probably half of those are public sector workers um, and and the, the remaining half private sector workers where it actually matters. Um, and of those, uh, maybe 1% are covered by an enterprise agreement that gives you the ability to work flexibly, a very, very small percentage. Um, and of those remaining, um, half of them are probably, sorry, three quarters of them, are probably working in a trades job uh, or a customer-facing role um, or, you know, a production line, something like that, not professionals. So, um, and even even that 25% of professionals, um, a bunch of them, uh, receptionists and office managers and executive assistants and stuff like that, people that have to go to work. Uh, so what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. I really scratched my head about this about this debate. It's it's so loud, it's so loud, um, but it affects such a small number of people, and that's probably reflective of how our society is at the moment. That that very small minority of people in any camp have such loud voices, um, and and you know, the, the the academics are on their side. The left leaning side of politics are pushing uh, for for all that sort of stuff. Unions are pushing for it. Let's face it; they're all just against employers. You know, they think employees are evil. They think a company making a profit is evil and all that sort of stuff. Who who else is going to do it and give you jobs? You know, um, stop biting the hand, I say. Any case, thank you for joining me. Let's leave it at that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If um, you're all for working from home and you think I'm completely wrong and everything I've just said, I want to hear it. Change my mind. Change my view. If I hear something that's reasonable and um, – yeah, is great for an employer to be able to thrive, um, to be able to have good working systems, to have happy people in their workplaces, to be able to have happy, engaged customers, um, you know, creating more employment, more jobs, more opportunities. Tell me about it. You know, I'd, 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 I'd love to learn about it and I'll go and talk to my clients about it, but it doesn't work. So mostly it doesn't work. Change my mind. Okay. Thank you for joining me once again. Um, until next time, keep a tight workplace. We'll talk again soon.